Hello to Old Guard, New Blood. Welcome to another episode, episode 31. How UX and SEO uh, can work together is our topic for today. As normal, uh, Majestic are sponsoring events. So thanks very much to Majestic.com for uh, allowing us to continue these uh, these podcasts. Uh, and as usual, I've got a renowned uh, a group with me of uh, UX and SEO blend of experts. Uh, and uh, why don't I, I start off with, with you, Charlie. Uh, your microphone's off, so let me go with you. Charlie, who are you and where do you come from? Hi. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Charlie. I'm based in Oxford in the UK and I'm an SEO and content design consultant. Uh, independent. I, I, I um, don't work for an agency or have any employees or things, just me as it stands. Um, I uh, specialize in on-site SEO, uh, sort of tech SEO and content strategy, that side of things. I don't really work with links, but uh, as a result of that, with the changes that have been made by Google recently, a lot of that involves considering UX, as you might expect, hence why we're all talking today. And if people want to find Charlie Williams, where do they go? Yeah, if you want to find me, I haven't been smart like my colleagues here who have put their Twitter handle by their name. That's a really good idea. That Don't I worry, mate. It's going to be a podcast for most people, so they can't oh, see anything okay. anyway. That's <laughs> uh, true. But it's, uh, I just like it. I just like, like stealing from other people. That's, that's my entire thing. I just steal from other people's good ideas. Um, but my Twitter handle is at page source, as in P-A-G-E-S-A-U-C-E because I've been doing SEO so long that when you wanted to look at the code, you looked at the page source rather than inspecting element. And uh, um, you can also email me if you want to at charlie at chopped.io. That's my work address. Anyone's feel free to give me a shout anytime they want some help with anything. Ulrika, how are you? I hear you're up in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So tell everybody uh, about you. Who are you and where do you come from? Um, so I'm Ulrika. Uh, I run an agency, an SEO agency, Sweden-based, uh, called Unicorn. Uh, we are in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, yeah, So, but I am not in Stockholm at the moment, but mostly I am. You're sitting up in the Arctic Circle. It's brilliant. And uh, people can find you at, at Ulrika. Um, Ulrika, how do you spell Ulrika? Oh my God. I I think it's easier if you just go to unicorn.se and find my contact there. Okay, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, Okay, and Pedro, finally, Pedro Diaz. Uh, Where are you? How are you? And where do you come from? Hi, Al. Thanks for having me. Uh, So I'm in London, uh, more specifically Greenwich. I'm currently the head of SEO for Autovia. They are one of the lead automotive publishers here in the UK. And before that, I worked in search for, you know, it's kind of my not 16 years now that I've been in SEO in search. Um, I'm mostly like a technical SEO meets business consultant meets UX enthusiast. So that's where, where it all crosses together. Thank you very much. And if there's uh, anybody uh, watching us live, Monty just said hi. Can we get Monty on the show next time round? Because uh, she's, she's here, and uh, and uh, I'd love to have her back in the show. So, David, that's your 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 uh, task for the next month. So let me bring in my producer, David Bain, uh, who can tell me all the things I've missed before we get into the show. I'm not sure what I've missed, but I, I love the uh, comical start to the show just going live and Dixon going. <laughs> but it was pro- superbly professional, wasn't it? I thought. <laughs> I thought that was. Spot on, you know. But I, I, just, I, I, gonna love me for that one. As soon as I said that, I, I, I thought actually maybe I should have said that because for the podcast listeners who, if you're listening 
to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, then I will have edited that out already. So what on earth am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and now you've got to edit this bit as well. Indeed. Never well, mind. perhaps not. It's, um, I, I just want to say that um, obviously we're um, listening to episode 31 at the moment. Um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to share the guest that we've already got booked for next month and the topic that we're going to be having next month. And next month's show is going to be on the 7th of September 2022. And um, stay tuned until the end of this episode and we'll tell you more details about that. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, And if you uh, want to sign up for future episodes, then, of course, uh, you can get to from uh, from the Majestic blog as well. Uh, Right. Okay. So I want to start, I always start my my shows by asking people if, 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 Guests don't have forty-five minutes to, uh, to 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 hang around. Um, given that we're talking about you know UX and um, an SEO, uh, what's one UX tip that you might have that that also hates uh, helps hates helps SEO as a, a sort of top level te- takeaway? So if uh, if people come away with one thought, what would you want to share with them? I, I, I'll go in the same order there, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. So my tip, if I was you know one thing and like people take away from listening today, is doing some UX testing, basically UX testing videos, user testing videos, sort of thing. Uh, it's a low cost. There is a cost, but it's a low cost way to start testing an aspect of your website. But when it specifically comes to SEO, what I love doing is testing common user journeys that we're planning for SEO. So based around a keyword, a keyword topic, perhaps more specifically, someone's looking to achieve something on your website that you're targeting for SEO. And the reason I do this is you get two wins. It's a, it's a really eye-opening process for a lot of clients. Firstly, they're going to get a video of someone using a key part of their website and seeing how they use it and giving feedback and you know, probably being a little surprised about exactly what people you like, don't like, understand, don't understand, etc. But also, um, this is and this is something that uh, Glenn Gabe uh, wrote about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. This idea of taking those questions that Google provided about what to do around core updates, you know, things to you know run your content by, you know, things you're lacking or doing, and it works just as well for e-commerce or informational content. Actually, using those some of the questions in there and getting this real understanding of how good a job is our page actually doing compared to maybe a leading other page that's ranking really well for one of our keywords. How are we doing? What are we lacking? Where can we go? It's using a UX technique. You get some UX benefits, but you also get a load of insight for SEO. I might come back to that. That's a really uh, interesting uh, idea. Um, And we might dig into tools you might use to sort of do that, I think. Uh, Ulrika, why don't you go next? And what, what takeaway have you got for people? So my top tip is also using the user journey. Uh, but in this instance, having uh, using the call to actions or how how you are framing uh, a page or how you are structuring a page from a, a UX point of view and seeing where can I, from an SEO point of view, where can I put my internal linking and how does it how does it fit together in that in that structure. Uh, and what should should those call to actions say, and or what is it that we are telling the the user to do next? Uh, and if they are, and depending on what which which step in the user journey the user is is doing or taking, and we build clusters around that. Uh, so that is 
I use UX for more, a lot of other things, but that is the one go-to key that I do because it's also very important for SEO. Okay, so I might come back to you on that one as well a little <laughs> bit later on then because I'm interested on, you know, a user journey is a, is a really interesting phrase because I, 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 I want to know what happens when people don't follow the user journey that you're, that you're thinking about. So I'll come back to that one, I think, a little bit later as well. Just, I, I want to go on with the, the, my, my first thing question, question and, and just ask, is there a difference? This sounds like this might sound to a lot of people like a really stupid question. To me, I don't think it is a stupid question, but it could be. But there's no such thing as a stupid question. So is there a big difference between UX and accessibility? Um, these words, I think some people, and possibly even me, get mixed up between those two words at times. Uh, is it a totally separate discipline or is there an overlap between the two ideas? And who wants to go with that one first? So in my point of view, I think that accessibility is a part of UX. It's not separate. It's a part of it. Uh, and uh, if you look at the UX honeycomb, I'm not a UXer and I just work a lot with UX people or UX professionals. <laughs> so, so I learned a lot about the UX honeycomb and which you can actually translate a lot to SEO. Uh, but in there, you, you also have like accessibility. It's one of the, the I think it's uh, seven or eight uh, pieces that is like holy uh, for UX. Um, so I, I, in my point of view, it's a part of it. It's not everything. And if you work with SEO and UX, you can't just go to accessibility. That is not everything. Uh, but it's obviously important. Charlie, would you agree with that? I think there's other bits. Yeah. So in my experience uh, with it, I, I agree very much with Erika that the idea that accessibility is a part of UX and an important consideration within UX, within that honeycomb thing, you know, it's one of the honeycomb things. It's called accessible, if I remember correctly, um, is um, for me very much when talking to clients about this, accessibility is about the idea that the content is actually just accessible which sounds really obvious and i'll explain what i mean but there's two kind of facets with that accessible in terms of is it findable within a website structure you know if your content isn't readily accessible then we know for example uh there's going to be you know get less visits because people aren't going to navigate their way to it we also know that from a search point of view of course a lack of accessibility might translate to lack of internal links and things like that which that shows less interest in a page if you're not bothered to link to a page google sort of thinks it can't be that important in theory, etc. But also accessibility, of course, as a term, at least in the UK, of course, applies to this idea of um, a web page being accessible by people, maybe with different kinds of abilities or different kinds of, you know, sort of um, uh, opportunities for accessing a web page. So it might be that, you know, uh, pairing things down or making something, you know, not using colors or really hard to read backgrounds and all these kind of ideas here. That's an important consideration of UX, but it's also a separate kind of idea that, you know, is the page accessible to people with different ability levels? Yeah, I've got terrible eyesight and I cannot read my iPhone when, uh, and, and if they don't let me expand the text, um, then I get really, really angry. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of things, of course. Um, this honeycomb, uh, uh, this honeycomb UX. Uh, so what's it, what, what's it called? UX honeycomb UX. Yeah, it's the, it's the UX honeycomb. I think it was by, Peter Morville, if I, I I have to double check this if memory serves me correct. Um, he's somebody that wrote a lot about UX. Um, you know, ex, he's an expert in UX, essentially, and information architecture and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's where a lot of my knowledge of the field, apart from working with professionals, has come from. 
So, Pedro, if uh, if people can't stay to the end, what what one takeaway would you uh, give to people about UX and SEO? So, I, I think uh, the other folks already spoke at it at length, and I think I agree most of what they said. Um, UX is an area that encompasses many. It's it's, it's even extrapolates the digital world, um, and it's like so we can fit into UX usability, web accessibility, information architecture, and so on. So one of the things that, for example, benefits SEO in, within UX is all the usability aspects within, for example, consistent navigation, uh, consistent uh, breadcrumbs, like that locate users in in a landing page where, where they come from search engines because. When you think about search, when users do a search and they land on your on your website, they never almost never enter through your homepage. They tend to enter through pages that are in the middle of your website or you know down the funnel or whatever in the categories that where they sit. And if you have like consistent breadcrumb that it's relevant and users can locate themselves, this helps both SEO and and and, and UX. So that's an interesting tip, and it brings me back to to, uh, to what uh, Ulrika was saying then about uh, user journeys and calls to actions. Um, because you know, your 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 tip of you know thinking hard about the the user journey and um, doesn't work if somebody starts in the wrong place, or does it? How do you how do you handle that one, Ulrika, when somebody doesn't and they don't always go in the order that you think as well. So if they yeah, yeah they never do, do they? Never do. It doesn't seem to. If you ever try and track track a ch- channel, I've never yeah. seen actual data where somebody's actually tracking user journeys in a way that I can meaningfully um, present to. Well, in the days when I had clients yeah. Um, yeah. present to a client, but so so, how do you deal with that? Uh, so well, how I do it, I, I prioritize uh, the, the the things that I would want, or we would want, or that my client would want their their client to do. Uh, the actions they they should do then prioritize them in an order and then have the the most prioritized one in the in top of the page of course uh with a call to action and then or uh some uh some stuff to click on and some interactivity or something but if that is not what the user is wanting to do on the page then the second choice is the next one and then the, with the prior two and and then so on and so on so you have multiple different call to actions or multiple different touch points so to say uh, on the page and you structure them from what you where what you think the user is coming from and what you kind of want them to do next uh, in terms of like going further in their decision. So that gives me another philosophical point about what Pedro's just said with consistency on a page and what you've just said about trying to help people do things in the, in the order they want, because, uh, people are going to be in a different state of mind in different types of the user journey. If it basically, if they know the product inside out, then you want to give them the buy button. If they don't know the product inside out, then they want to have a look at the, the knowledge, the, 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 the papers, download the, the papers or the case studies or, or engage with you in a, in a demo or whatever it may be. So if you think that there are a certain pace in their, their, their user journey, does that mean the drop down should have you know the calls to action or the drop down or the table or the list or whatever should should try and change the order of those things depending on where you are in the user journey i mean i admit that that's a pain in the neck to to program anyway so it's unlikely to happen in a real world but if you're saying that that's a the ideal thing then does that contravene what pedro was saying of being consistent because once you've got you know you've seen something in a particular order if uh, if 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 user testing thinks sorry if you think that somebody's in a different zone, 
you know, should you bring something else out? I don't know if I bring Pedro back in on that one um, or, uh, or whether I'm just being too obtuse, which is, which is fine. I usually am. Yeah, it's, it's 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 tricky because you ideally you would want the page kind of to accommodate the intent of the user, and it's uh, sometimes is 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 hard to accommodate all the intents in 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 one place. So, um, and I think doing rendering dynamically content or that would or CTA that would accommodate you know what the user wants that probably I don't know how would that work for search engines because search engines are kind of when they visit your page, they would have to, you know, see the content that you have there. And if it changes dynamically, then the risk that the, there would be some content that would be invisible, it's, it's probably high. But what I would try to do is probably to create like a, a hub where you then you could, you know, segregate content according to search intent or to intent of well, search <laughs> sorry i just okay, said yeah i get it okay twice. so so if they're in the so if they're in the research phase of their their, their 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 cycle then they're in a place where research is a predominant kind of messaging and if they're in the approaching the buy stage then hopefully they they're in a, a, a place where they can see the, the checkout and the cart and things like that Okay. Okay. That 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 correlates with everything. I'm, I'll take that as a uh, as a win. Uh, and think about thinking about how how people are in the user journey. Let me let, but let me go back then to to Charlie's um, one liner at the start of of um, using uh, UX testing videos. So what I guess you mean by that, Charlie, is going through with a customer and saying, could you go to this web page and do something on that page? Um, and then record them whilst they do it, and whilst they get completely baffled and uh, uh, and, and 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 lost, uh, and then record that and give that back to the client. Is that the the, the idea? Or uh, and if so, what do you use to do the recording, and what kind of questions do you ask the user? Yeah, it's very much that. It's the idea of taking a common journey that you want to test on the website, or perhaps even launching a new version of a page, or changing something uh, that's uh, that's in that journey that's important to you. So it could be, if you're an e-commerce site, it might be testing your category pages, how easy it is for people to filter down to the product they want. Or it might be looking at your product pages and saying, you know, is this a particularly good product page that gives you all the information you need to make a buying decision or not to go back to what we were just touching upon there about uh, buying uh, journeys. So you can do it for different situations, whatever is relevant for you. And the point I made before about tying into maybe something that you're targeting the keywords for so you can say ah you know we're really targeting this and we often hear that you know to rank for competitive terms you have to have the best content experience possible well how do we have the best content experience well we're biased aren't we when it's our websites it's incredibly hard to get people not to see uh you know what they want to see i think we've all had clients in that situation or been in-house situations where people think what they've got is ideal and the idea of this is that we get a series of videos so let's say we've got a common user journey we want to test we might use um, a service um, a common one is usertesting.com it's called user testing it does what it says on the tin it provides user testing videos and we might uh, pay for that to do uh, 10 videos so we use 10 different uh, members of the public to do this journey and we'll have a set number of questions and we'll have a set number of stages that we'll ask them to go through and they will vocalize their thoughts as they go through this journey on your website they will say i'm looking here oh i'm looking to find so and so i would try up here i'll try up here and yes sometimes they'll be completely baffled 
Sometimes they'll be uh, very much uh, in tune with what you're hoping. You know, that sometimes happens. Um, I think a good example of this is I was working, um, this is what I, when I worked at Screaming Frog, um, and I worked with a team there. We were looking at a client's website. The rankings were going down consistently, and it was very hard to push them up in a competitive niche. But one thing we noticed was their conversion rate was very low. And so we um, actually worked with them to improve their checkout process because we thought it was bad. Uh, we thought it was putting people off, even though they put things into basket. We saw in analytics a low abandonment rate and we worked with them to improve it and it over doubled their conversion rate, which actually turned into a lot of cash and more than made up for the difficulties they were having with ranking. So that's not doing it for a purely SEO purpose, but it's still getting them more conversions and money, which is the entire aim of the game. I think um, I'm right in remembering that one of the testers actually opened their, their checkout and actually said, uh, out loud. We were like, <laughs> that's all the evidence the client needed to then spend the money. Because of course it's a monetary cost to actually put that cost, spend a few grand on improving their checkout because they had they saw that reaction, not from us. They were listening to us going, oh, you're just using excuses for not getting better rankings. You hear it from the public, suddenly people are likely to listen a lot more. So this is actually a good good chance for me to get a plug-in for, for Majestic in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the session because uh, Majestic has for years been struggling with some UX issues and uh, they've just launched a new look and feel of the website. And uh, after a lot of... Um, pushing and pulling and discussing and things they've really worked on there basically a left-hand nav bar but uh, but it's you know it makes it much much easier to get all of the uh, all of, get to all of the tools within majestic and uh, it was amazing even when i was working there full time um seeing how some of the really cool tools and features of majestic were never used because no one ever found the things and they didn't know they were there uh, and that's that's all ux and of course you know if people are going to use more of the tools then they're going to stay longer love the tool more and talk about it hopefully so um which should which should be good uh okay so uh let's let's jump in then to um to uh, another question and uh, and put people a little bit on the spot what because google googlers googlers and i'm paraphrasing here you know often say you know think about what the user wants not what the algorithm wants um and um and and they they're, they're pretty uh pretty consistent on that i don't think i'm taking their their words out of context too much there i hope i'm not uh john and gary and uh and martin but anyway if i am tell me off uh so but how do you see google's algorithm giving better search results if that is the only thing if the webmasters thought about if if webmasters were really genuinely starting to think oh i just just care about the user and 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 and, and their their totally their journey their ux and not about the algorithm then perhaps i wouldn't be bothering about uh, getting a uh, a title to the page that uh, that um, a, a computer can understand or a machine can understand i'll just sit there and 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 have one that um, that i know that my customer understands because they get the nuance of I don't know. Choose choose a nuance here, and they get something nuanced that a, that a, an algorithm, a, a natural language processing algorithm, might not work. A good example being headlines that that that, that newspapers used to work. You think of the sun headlines. You know when uh, uh, when it's a really hot day, and instead of saying it's been the hottest day of all time, as was just happened in the in in the UK, it says, "Oh, what a scorcher!" And as humans, we know what that means. We know exactly what the rest of the story is going to say. Um, 
I put it to you that that is treating um, is 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 talking about their user and is terrible for SEO. Um, so my argument is, my question is, are Google really um, uh, being honest when they say think about the user, or uh, when you're instead of the algorithms, or or you know, do you have to uh, take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt? We've got Richard L. coming in here, by the way, saying Telly, telling people to try all the search engines is the best remedy to worrying about Google's foibles. <laughs> so other other search engines do exist. Bing, DuckDuckGo. Uh, I don't think Yandex is around anymore. And if so, don't use it anyway. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, right. Anyway, back to the question. Who wants to take it? You know, is the mantra of do it for the user and not for SEO? A good mantra. It is for Google. It saved them a lot of money. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, is this a? Uh, is this you know, uh, Google overreaching in their uh, in their advice to SEOs to the industry? I don't think so. I think the premise behind it is true, in terms of you know, if you just stop trying to game our system and just concentrate on producing the best content, we will then try and sort that best content and show it to people, and you'll make more money because we'll show your great content to people. Um, the issue is, is that for a lot of keyword queries, content isn't an, alone enough to kind of cut it. You know, if you're talking about, you know, very competitive e-commerce queries around clothing or, you know, sort of phones and things like this, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, the con there's only so much you can do with a product page, et cetera. So it is tricky, but I do think what would happen, of course, is there'd be a certain percentage less junk produced. Uh, I don't know what percentage you could quantify as, but there must be an awfully high percentage of content that's produced basically even today for SEO. It's, you know, and you see people going, right, great, there's AI tools now that can write content for me. I don't even have to bother hiring people. I can just churn it out. Away I go. Here's my affiliate site. You know, or not, not even just affiliate sites, you know, you know, sort of brands doing this as well, to be fair. I shouldn't I'm not meaning to slander anyone. Um, so you know, the idea is if we all concentrate on it, everyone wasn't gaming, you know, the other things quite so much would be bad. But then would it actually mean that Google would find organizing important content from important sites more difficult because they haven't got people like us saying, organize it properly, get your context correct, have the semantics in there, all this kind of thing, like your title tag example you just gave. Yeah, I think it, I think it would make certain things more tricky that way. But you would see less junk in theory. Um, I don't think it matter, doesn't matter what we say, you know, if all webmasters concentrate on this, some of us are still going to try and do different things, aren't we? Uh, Pedro, Ulrika, any uh, any other thoughts about that? So I agree uh, to some point, and, but also I would like to add, just add in there that uh, what would happen, or we all have seen pages or websites who have all only considered the algorithms and they are not fun at all to, to look at, or, or like the information is crap. And spammy. So, uh, also, that's why I think that we should listen to Google when they say this. And I think that they do have something, they're thinking about something here. And, and that is probably that they want to have a better product because our organic searches, our organic results are the product that they, they give uh, their users and then they can put ads on top of it and then they get paid as well. But our, our customers or our users will be happy if we help them make the decisions before they buy something. And I think that uh, it used to be like that, that we went to a physical store and we asked a lot of questions about the product that we were going to 
buy or if or if they had something for a problem that would solve our situation and and today uh the behavior is a bit different that we we don't we don't go to the physical stores as much so we need that content online on our online stores where they we can find the solutions for our problems in in a much higher degree and that is not just a category page but uh more like content in-depth content about uh how to solve things um so I do think that focusing on the user instead of the algorithm will actually, in in the long run, uh, get you, make you more credible and 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 trustworthy as a as a brand. So I like it, but okay. I, I also know that this is not enough. <laughs> okay, Pedro, did you did you want to come in on there or she? What Charlie was saying, I mostly agree with, and it's like. When Google says focus on the user and chase the user, that's what they aim to to do. And but is it, there's a certain limitations to what they can bring as signals. So they will, um, you know, we will have to look at other um, SEO, you know, techniques to 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 make sure that Google picks up on 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 the relevant signals that we want them to to rank and to and to pick on. But you you can see the effort that Google is doing by when they launch stuff like Core Web Vitals, which is like something that is mostly towards UX than 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 purely like SEO. So you'd say, um, and this is like an effort that Google tries to to evaluate. Okay, does this website give users a good experience or not? And and they they they, they for years they can observe like user behavior in in search in search results like how users query and requery and and kind of how they click on results. Um, so based on that, yeah, they I, I would say to some extent they can evaluate user experience. They they try to always uh, rework their algorithms to better reflect you know user experience. Yeah, but yes, of course they have some limitations. When and and when we work as SEOs, we need to have that in mind that we are have to cater for a machine that has some limitations. Well, since Richard mentioned it in the comments, I'm going to uh, give one up for for, for Bing here, because when I click on uh, the results in Bing, I see what I feel as cleaner content than a better UX friendly content than I do when I when I click on results in, in, in Google. Now, maybe that's just me or maybe it's just my, my luck. But uh, but in particular, um, news pages. So news sites for me have in my opinion, extremely bad UX because they're trying to give you a bad UX because they're trying to get you to click on an ad mostly. So you're reading something and then you're going down and there's a picture and it's not a picture that's related to the story. It's an advert for something else and you're off the site. You go down a bit further and something pops up on your screen. You've got to get rid of it to carry on reading down. Go a bit further down. It says, no, you've got to log in to read the rest of this content. This is not a good UX journey. This is a terrible UX journey. And those pages are ranking really well in search engine results, in Google particularly. Um, uh, not so well maybe in, in Bing. So I put it to you again. Is it is it rubbish that you have to work for the end user um, if you're going to work for SEO? Why is it that these bad UX sites rank so well if the mantra exists and, and, and those, those kind of bad UX experiences can rank so well for really big things, you know, really big, particularly news-based um, uh, terms and ideas. Who's going to take that one? I'll, I'll jump in on that because this is something I look at a fair bit, to be honest with you. Um, it's because, well, it's because 
you know, Yux is only one signal out of the mix. You know, it, it's, it's most important. Google recently updated the, uh, the quality evaluator guidelines to say that for your money, your life um, pages, EAT is the highest signal. But, you know, a lot of EAT is tied into links, domain authority, style and metrics, um, you know, trust, all these kind of, you know, sort of ways of measuring it via links. Um, you know, with this idea that, you know, basically you have big brands. Newspapers are enormous brands with enormous brand recognition, with enormous trust, both, you know, offline and online. And they are huge sites that produce lots of information on news topics and so on. So they're seen as very authoritative within those niches. And it's kind of hard to shift that, despite the fact that you visit some websites, Daily Mail, that um, basically assault you with, you know, click here, do this. This is something completely irrelevant from what you're looking at. And the content is this wide and the sidebars somehow this by showing you other articles. It doesn't matter. But what I will say is a slight counter to that is that, yes, they rank well for certain topics. And obviously, I'll defer to someone like Barry Adams on the topic of this as a, as a whole. But what you are seeing is a gradual reduction in the visibility of newspaper websites. They do well in the long term. But if you look at, I mean, I work a lot with Citrix, so uh, I'll get that out of the way. But if you use something like Citrix's visibility index or Ahrefs' estimated traffic, and you look at major newspaper websites, uh, and you look at their estimated traffic or, in Citrix's case, visibility index, Compared to five years ago and 10 years ago, they've taken an absolute hammering. And there was that time that the Mail website had a massive downturn and came back up, predominantly because of UX issues, where Google basically you know, sort of said to them, we're fed up with your newspaper landing pages being so hard to use. So for me, it's a case of, yeah, they are a bad UX experience in many cases. Not all newspapers, some are much cleaner, but it's because of the weight of the domain, if you will, and its authority within its niche counteracts that to a certain degree. Pedro, you got some thoughts there? Yeah, I worked as the head of the SEO for one of these major newspaper publishers in the UK. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I'd say that they, they are very relevant for some topics. Uh, for example, when you start to enter stuff like um, your money and your life topics, like that is like health advice or something that's like uh, really sensitive you will see that Google prefers other news publishers, um, uh, more like more like broadsheet than 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 kind of you know the tabloids. But the thing with the tabloids is that they publish a lot of stuff that what people are curious about that they want to to, to read about that others don't, and they do it at such a high volume that people get used to this and they re are recurring and they 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 get like almost like it works like almost a gossip magazine that people get addicted to and, and, and they want to read it. So, and then they are at odds between, you know, having a good experience and making money. They want to make money out of their content. So they kind of will kind of sometimes lengthen the content for no reason whatsoever, just other than, you know, <laughs> generating ad impressions. That's not good. But, you know, they have people inside that do user studies and tell them this all the time. Just sometimes they, they listen, not they, they choose not to listen and not and, and or to, to, to listen carefully because they don't want to change their business model drastically. So, yeah, I would say like the, most of the time is because they are, these are very popular vehicles and people want them you, you will see there's there's a huge brand demand for people querying like news and mirror news express news daily mail um and and yeah they, they get on with they get off mm. of that okay and uh richard definitely on his high horse about other search engines here is uh is saying it's uh, it's a bit awkward when google provides 90 to 95 percent of traffic to destinations for search information discovery um so 
fair point to add in there. Okay, let's get into we, we, it. We're running out of time already, guys, and I've only got through half my questions. But uh, let's uh, let's get into a, a specific. In fact, I think what I'm going to do is jump into uh, to video in particular, which which may or may not be uh, the one that you wanted me to jump in as our last one. But I think uh, I, 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 has anybody got any thoughts on uh, UX and involving um, SEO and videos? Um, so you know, so I see specifically YouTube being used by almost every SEO, not all of them, but, you know, clearly there's lots of other uh, um, platforms for hosting videos. Um, some of them are, 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 you know, and then you don't necessarily have ads and sys in the system, but people seem, still seem to be using YouTube, maybe just because it's free. Um, are other SEO, uh, are, are other video platforms um, more SEO friendly or more than, than, than YouTube? What is it that, that just keeps everyone going to YouTube? Um, uh, and and and, is, and and other tips for making videos more UX friendly, um, just in the way that you you write the videos as well. Uh, Ulrika, is there any thoughts that you've got on, on on that, or is is videos not something you get involved in too much? I do get involved in it, but this was the one question I was like, oh god. You let somebody else answer that one. <laughs> I've dived onto the last one because I thought, you know, it's actually the most, you know, one of the most interesting. I think it's super important or super interesting to to listen to this, but I prefer to skip this one. Okay, that's fine. Pedro, Charlie, anything you want to, uh, to, to any thoughts? I think the most of the, the success that of YouTube, uh, people would argue that YouTube is like a Google property, so Google tends to prefer YouTube. But come on, I mean, I've tried to consider that as well, but if we look at the experience of players among video providers i would I, I don't know i might be biased but i would say that i i prefer youtube most of the times I, I don't know how about you if you guys had better experiences with other players but so far when i see a player on any other website i go is this gonna be like very hard to deal with or not and and most of the video stuff tends to be how people prefer and how easy it is to use. Okay, that is like how much you can kind of tweak the title and make like it relevant and you can work on the thumbnails and make them kind of pop so kind of people go like and, and click on, the, on your video because it you know attracts their, their curiosity. But most of the times why I see people preferring YouTube is because of the player experience. And I think this has a lot of weight. I just want to add that most of my clients, uh, they do like YouTube because it's easy to use, but then they tend to choose something else just because they don't want the autoplay after their video. And then that it makes them scary or that, that, that make them like hesitant to, to use it. But I also think that YouTube is so much easier to use. I think that the, the thing is, it's ubiquitous. Everyone's used to YouTube. So from a kind of thinking on it from that UX point of view, I agree very much with Pedro and Orica that the idea is that, you know, the vast majority of people using a website will have used a YouTube video before, so they know how to use it. Also, when you're familiar with it and you're a marketing team within a business, you know, use a service that kind of does things in a way that you recognize that's easy for you to get into. That familiarity, I think, is one of the reasons why uh, people are using it so much. And of course, the more people use it, the more familiar it becomes and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, so it becomes that cycle. More and more people are using it, so it becomes more familiar. So there's more reason to use it. I have some clients that use, I've used bespoke ones. I've had a client that's used um, Wistia with great success. Really loved, you know, the, uh, the editing and the functionality that that offered. I've had a couple of clients use Vimeo 
which basically works very similarly to YouTube. It gives you all the options, um, but it's um, it's paid to play if you want any kind of functionality. Only a very small amount, talking like five pounds a month, but for some reason that suddenly puts people off who are earning millions of pounds a month um, and things like that. But <laughs> which is bizarre know, to me. It's bizarre to me. You know, why don't people pay a small amount and get a uh, and, and get an ad free? an ad-free service for their for their website um yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's it's one of those things where you kind of go well you know how much do you value this and from the other point of view i, mean, I think video is very important i remember it's a stat from a while ago but it was something that said that video makes uh understanding a product or service 74 percent more understandable uh from a you know a reader's point of view when using a web page so you know video as a tool for ux is incredibly powerful and even if people are just using youtube i'd always encourage my clients to use that rather than not having videos at all if those videos can be helpful in that in that shopping or user journey that we talked about i wonder how people actually measured that it was 74 percent more understandable that's an interesting that's a rhetorical question please (laughs) uh so that's good i suppose also to be fair one of the things that youtube does is it drives traffic in its own right because if you've written a good video then it's searchable within google and they don't actually have to come to your website to see that video and there's a lot of people in seo that make a a, you know get a huge amount of their traction through just doing videos on youtube so i guess a vimeo and a wistia doesn't have that luxury of coming with an audience of its own so that's a that's a fair point but uh but i do think that you know there's there's um plenty of opportunities to make your video itself more ux friendly if you use other tools so that you can you know have clicks in video much more um, clicks in video with with um, using uh, tools um allowing people to jump around uh within the within the system making sure the call to actions are you know you can link to out of the website you can't, you can't really do much linking out of youtube on youtube videos so that seems to be but the embedding th- i mean there are some improvements like in the last couple of years you know being able to add chapter marks and time marks and things like that is now much easier than it used to be um there's also more options of you know within the page itself but i think some of the options for when you embed it on your site are better than they were before uh that does you know that does also help it's not perfect but i, I agree with your points very much but it's um i do think it's perhaps better than it used to be for doing this kind of thing also if you pay just a little bit again with um, the google you can broadcast on you know high uh, k without too much money and things like that so that you know you can take advantage of google's scale uh for you know producing these things on the back end in that kind of function that, that that's just to try and play both sides of the fence I, and we're going live on youtube as we speak so you know uh there's my uh there's my hypocrisy of my argument coming out right there so but we're also live on facebook and twitter as well so uh and uh, of course when it comes to video of course there are many other uh ways of, of doing things so people are using tiktok and, and instagram as richard points out and they're st- taking huge amounts of video content away from from things but when it comes to the ux on your website you know you need to embed a video into your content and uh and people still seem to be using the youtube uh, system to do that so there we go guys we're 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 there already um and uh i really appreciate you coming in and uh, and giving us all your individual insights uh, that's there's a lot of interesting information out there um before uh, before i ask you to you know just remind people how they get hold of you bring back david uh david what's happening in the next show how uh how what are we going to be doing next time around sure uh you mentioned earlier on can monty come on uh on the next show um i've asked monty to be on the october the fifth episode um so to your back monty hopefully you can make that one there 
next month's episode will be episode number 32. That will be on Wednesday the 7th of September at 5pm UK time, 12pm East Coast time. Three guests are booked on that one already. Elaria Fabri from Reprise Digital, Nitinam and Chanda from Bot Presso and Begum Kaya from BK Solutions. And the topic for that episode, next month's episode, will be how to start your own SEO agency. Sign up at majestic.com slash webinars to attend live and uh, join us in the discussion for that one. Okay, and if you're an in-house SEO, maybe you want to just uh, just nip away and just read that, do that from a library because <laughs> you don't necessarily want to be listening to that from the office. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, I'll read her again. How do they get hold of you guys? So unicorn.se with a K, unicorn with a K dot Excellent. Thanks very much for coming along. And Charlie, where do they get hold of you? Yeah, my business address is chopped.io. Uh, nothing as interesting as a unicorn, unfortunately. Or you can get hold of me on Twitter at Page Source. Spell S A U C E. That's right. Yeah. Pedro, how do they get hold of you? At Pedro Diaz with an S at the end instead of the Z version, Spanish version. So Pedro Diaz uh, or PedroDiaz.net. It's my website. Guys, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I really do appreciate your time. So do the people out there in in uh, in into interworld land. Uh, and uh, we'll see everybody uh, next on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.